Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From Tula Tacos and Amigos in downtown Lafayette, we're out to lunch with Christian Mader, publisher and editor of The Current. It's business Acadiana style. Welcome to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. The 1990s were a fertile but culturally awkward decade. The playground of Gen Xers and grunge and flannel. It was also the birth of the internet as we know it. Uh, companies like Yahoo and Google came of age during the dot-com boom, and so did a generation of IT professionals. They were the first wave of workers in the digital economy. And today, that generation is becoming, let's say, in charge. Information technology is the backbone of practically every company, or perhaps, uh, if you're unlucky, an Achilles heel. My guests today were part of that movement in the 90s and built some of Acadiana's first technology enterprises, and they're also brothers. Wayne Lobb and his brother Doug founded CloudGen, an IT solutions firm in the early 2000s that helps local companies set up and maintain their computing networks. The firm is boutique. Wayne does not do uh, any marketing and offers round-the-clock concierge services for around a dozen clients. Um, Wayne spent some time in California during the dot-com boom, but came back to Lafayette to set up shop. He, like his brother, is an avid kayak fisherman and has kept his operations small to keep an even keel in his work-life balance. Wayne Lobb, welcome to Out to Lunch. Wow, thanks for having me. Uh, Wayne's brother, Doug Menifee, struck a slightly different path after, after founding CloudGen. Doug became an itinerant IT consultant, helping a string of local firms set up their IT operations and working full-time as a CIO for hire under the moniker Dyslexic CIO, a nod to the fact that Doug is dyslexic. Doug had a hand in the very first live streams of Festival International and was an early advocate for cloud computing. In 2022, Doug took a job with Boulder GX, a Texas-based company working on ways to make medical lab testing faster and easier. Doug Menifee, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you very much. Wayne, um, you've been very intentional about having a small base of clientele. You don't market your company. Um, over the years, it seems like, though, you know, you got more of these IT solutions that are available to small companies at maybe like low prices. And so I'm thinking of like G Suite, things like that. I mean, is it getting harder to be a word of mouth company that sells a boutique service? Uh, I, I don't think so. I mean, as if you stay engaged with your with your customer and keep them um, keep their technology running and uh, keep everybody uh, kind of in a productive mode, which is always my goal. Is like how do you uh, how do you provide a service that doesn't interrupt uh, kind of what their whatever the mission might be? So so I don't find it. Uh, at this point, I don't find it challenging at all. I do know that the landscape is changing, and mm -hmm. the uh, the work that I did, you know, five years ago, I may not do anymore. Like a lot of, you know, hardware is mm. is less relevant because everything's is kind of disposable these days. Yeah, we, we talk and, a little. What do you mean by disposable? Like, what what uh, were you giving people five years ago that, that you're not giving them anymore? Well, you may. I mean, you may not pay. You may not have to pay two thousand dollars for a workstation computer. So, I mean, that, that may have been in the 10 years ago uh, range. So, you know, if, if you can pick up a computer for $800, like a workstation, a small workstation for uh, your standard business user, then you get the lifespan of it. Maybe that lifespan is three to four, four years out of it. And you move on to the next generation, which gives you 
and, and extreme, you know, it's the technology changes so fast that the next generation of computer, it's not worth it to keep that hardware. Hmm. It's not performing under the operating system, and et cetera. Yeah. So, so Doug, you've made a living, uh, you know, as a CIO for hire, I mean, as somebody that kind of get involved in a company and help them uh, do information technology work. And, and I got to say, I'm a little surprised that that's a gig that you could really find a lot of work. It would just seem like information technology is such a standard needed piece of any business that you would think that, you know, you kind of have folks internal. I mean, I guess I'm curious, like, why is it that, you know, more people don't just have them on staff? Like, how are you able to find a market for yourself when, especially at like a 200 million to $500 million range company, I would think that all these guys have CIOs that are, that are, that are already on staff and doing the work. Yeah, so, so uh, companies that are doing transformation uh, work, uh, companies that have been uh, under recent acquisitions, private equity uh, have come into the uh, companies and uh, done a new acquisition, uh, will uh, need a CIO that goes in and does uh, temporary work for six to uh, nine months to a year. Uh, those have been the type of projects that I've worked on mm -hmm. uh, over the last two to three years period of time. And uh, those have been a lot of the projects are uh, when I did work with uh, Stellar, two software companies that uh, were acquired and they needed to be aggregated together, hmm. uh, those type of projects uh, coming in. Uh, and an example, the new company that I'm going to work for right now, uh, they wanted a CIO on, on staff. So just as you said, so, and it's, uh, it's going back to my roots basically as a startup company and it's, it's a lot different. It's definitely not a $500 million company at this point, but goals to get there yeah. and uh, starting from the ground up, uh, uh, building that company from the ground up to, uh, to build a $500 million. I mean, what are the primary things that have changed in your world, I mean, it, it seems like this is an industry that obviously moves very quickly. The kinds of techniques and the expertise that you have to have, I would imagine, changes by the year, right? I mean, it's you know, <laughs> if you're so a lawyer, the, laws are kind of laws, but <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. the biggest things, uh, I mean, that I've seen over the last uh, two decades have obviously been from an on-premise environment to this ubiquitous. Uh, mystery cloud environment, which is just where your your servers are sitting in somebody else's environment. So that's been a big thing, but it's been around people management side. And that, that's, that's instead of watching blinky lights, it's around people management and the people, the IT professional being really aligned with the business and uh, the core of the mission and uh, that instead of speaking IT geek speak, the IT professional is speaking business and then translating that business into, into uh, engineering and into the ones and zeros. That, that's what the IT professional needs to be focused on today. Even in a small business, if you don't mind me interrupting, Please. a lot of it is always that translation of um, how, do, how do you help people understand in a non-technical term, how how this product or the service is going to uh, benefit, not just be another product or service. Yeah, I mean, are you Wayne? Are you finding that you know, like you, Doug, you mentioned that there, the cloud itself, right? It is a mysterious cloud. That there's still technologic technology concepts that may not be readily available to most consumers, or I shouldn't say readily available, but 
uh, readily understandable, maybe is a better word for it. I mean, is it harder or is it about the same to kind of have to work with somebody who operates some small business to help them understand why they need some specific new application, some way of doing things when they, you know, look, I mean, there's some standardization, I suppose, about people get email and things like that. But I mean, cloud computing might be a new step for some people, right? And, and this cloud computing and small business is amazing. I mean, if, if small businesses aren't at least thinking about it, the advantage for a small business to go in and not have to run a server on site for their email, which I assume people still do it. I haven't done it for years. Um, not have to, I mean, not, not have to uh, install a server for SharePoint. All of that stuff is built into Office 365 or in, some version of it inside of the Google Suite. So for small businesses, it's a great time to be really competitive because you can kind of get in as a pay per user, pay as you go at, at a low level. Um, but a, as you said, there, there are some products out there that just are, are a hard sell, even if you see, uh, even if you see a need for the company. So they may have a business that, or they, they may have a business process that they're throwing a person or a couple of people at it and they said, hey, you can automate this and do this. It's going to cost this for this particular service. And they may not understand that because that that human resource may also be used for some so in some senses it, uh, in some cases it definitely is not a solution yeah what, what's what's amazing today and what i was just going to dovetail onto that is uh what what the this world has come to is the same type of products and services that wayne is able to deploy for a uh, five to 10 person to 60 person operation out there is the same type of product and service that uh, I was able to deploy for uh, a thousand person operation uh, as, a, as a CIO. And the, the, it levels the playing field for businesses to be able to compete that a small business can compete against an enterprise business from a from a technology infrastructure environment, uh, and and it, that that true that 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 allows innovation to happen at the business strategy perspective, not necessarily from a technology infrastructure perspective. Do you mind if I give an example of something how like it worked in in small business? Like, yeah, absolutely. Like a, yeah. a success. Like one of my clients has multiple, I'm going to call it offices, kind of throughout southern Louisiana. And then they have a corporate office in Lafayette. And there is a uh, management tool that has to run on a server. Uh, and in the old days, what you would have done is stood up a server in, in the corporate office and then kind of built out VPN and had to have a broadband connection for everybody to connect back to the main server. But now, kind of leveraging something like Microsoft Azure, we, we were able to stand up a server inside of the cloud, and then everybody can just have remote access into it. So you're not having to think about what hardware, what, what networking hardware, and what uh, what you have on site at each one of those clubs, greatly lowering the price and only paying for the compute of that machine. And then we were we were able to uh, kind of at some point we realized well we're we're overloading the server. There's, we have too much traffic on it. We kept adding uh, different staff to have access to it, and you just scale up the server. So instead of rebuilding, <laughs> rebuilding a server, and this may be too technical, you add more processors or and and more RAM to it, 
and suddenly you have a new server without reinstalling it and re-standing up everything. And the, um, and I was done at, at probably a tenth to a th oh. uh, to uh, to less than that of the cost of what it would have cost uh, uh, ten to fifteen years ago. Oh, oh yeah, and and the and then we were able to leverage some automation where. When the when the offices are closed, the server shuts down, and you're no longer. It's kind of some of the new pricing models allow it to no longer charge. You're only charged when the when the remote desktop, in this case, is run. You're listening to Out the Lunch. I'm Christian Mater. I'm talking with Wayne Lobb of CloudGen and his brother Doug Minifee of Dyslexic CIO. Does this present? I mean, I feel like if you were to sit me in a room and and, and my familiarity with you know, the, e the email system I had in my office was a server in a room in a closet somewhere. And you said, all right, we're going to get rid of that box and we're going to provide the same service or whatever it is. I might say like, well, I might be a little concerned about like, what is this? You know, does somebody else control this for me? Does, does somebody, you know, going to break into my, like, I mean, it seems like some of the very, most people are going to experience this at the level of whether their internet works, right? <laughs> um, and so, so I guess, like, pitch me on the idea that this is actually going to present a, a tangible event. Is it really just the cost efficiency? I mean, how, how do you get somebody to understand that this is materially uh, nice. different for them? So, so the security comes into play is, is a massive, uh, massive gain for you because you're getting the same level of security that an enterprise would get. So you get the same level that uh, a, a Chevron, a Dow Chemical, uh, a, uh, a a any any large corporation that is using those type of services, that uh, any small business, uh, the small business would be able to get that same level of security, and you're getting what's called nine nines, uh, so that means that's the percentage the of uptime that you're getting with the service as well uh for the uh for it to be up uh and that they're guaranteeing that the uh, service will be up for you so mm -hmm. so you're getting a higher level of service a higher level of security for it and then you're getting uh spam filtering as well that goes into it uh which is increasing your security as, uh as well on it so 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 you, so you're getting enterprise class services that you just wouldn't get if you were kind of on uh, standing out there as an island out on your uh, out on your own. And, and I would add from like a small business aspect that there's also so a lot of concern is about well what happens if my data just goes away? What happens if if it just gets deleted? But my experience has been that most small businesses aren't very good at backing up don't actually sometimes you walk in and you say hey can i see your backups and they show you their backups and there's nothing on it so having the redundancy and the, and, the, and the failover within a cloud service you could not afford that as a small business so uh, one region goes down and another region comes up as a small uh, as a small business having redundant servers or, or, or some some fail-safe system in there is just not a, is not affordable so th there's that aspect of it. And then it's also the upgrade because I think there is, I mean, it's even, even from an email perspective, like if you put an exchange server in, I mean, you, you're going to need to 
upgrade that server and that software so many X, X years down the road, whatever, whatever you're trying to get out of it. But like something like Office 365, or you're done. You pay your monthly fee, they push down way more features than you need. I mean, it's, it's almost the amount of development that they're able to do with this kind of pay, uh, kind of subscription-based service is just almost more than than you can, as an IT person, you can manage. Hey, Chris, uh, one more thing I just want to add is like, we're talking kind of the small business. I would say that the more resistant customer out there for these services is actually the enterprise. Uh, I think small businesses get it and they're, they're a little bit more of an easier sell the the uh, customers and it, it, it's kind of mainstream now for customers to make a transition but uh, three to four years ago uh, even more five years ago when I was working with Amazon Web Services this was one of the things that I was working with them on was working with other CIOs on making this transition and they were the ones that were asking all the questions that you were just asking and making that transition. And uh, uh, they, they were the ones that were the hesitant ones that were uh, making that, uh, that transition were the enterprise CIOs. Hmm. So, so I want to kind of switch gears a little bit here. And, you know, Doug, you, you've made being a dyslexic CIO a part of your identity. It's the name of your company. You know, this is something that you credit you know, your interest in computers on, I mean, maybe I'm just thinking about it the wrong way, but I'm thinking about code and little numbers. I mean, it, it, how, how did that work for you? Why, why was this a natural fit for you? Why, why was computers something that made sense to you? So, so, uh, so I'm a dyslexic. Uh, my brother is a dyslexic. I hope he doesn't mind me like sharing that. I don't think he, I don't think he will. <laughs> Can't uh, hide it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, uh, uh, computers basically save saved me in my professional career. I mean, dyslexia enables me to see the world differently. Uh, yes, I, I type things, I have typos. Grammarly is a savior uh, for oh, me, oh, yeah. uh, but I, I do do misspellings. But when I go to problem solve, I, I see things different. I, I solve problems very quickly. Uh, I was uh, in the military and a flight medic. And when I'm in a crisis mode, I'm able to react very different than most people react is the only way that I can see it. And that's mm -hmm. based off of feedback that I've gotten throughout my professional career. Uh, and uh, my, my wife will be the first to tell you that if you are, if you are bleeding and uh, you have a trauma event, you want Doug Menifee to be around you. But if you're laying in a hospital bed and uh, you need somebody to give you <laughs> compassionate career, you probably don't want Doug around you. <laughs> so um, I'm not that guy. <laughs> but uh, but I'm, I'm like that in business situations of uh, uh, I thrive in chaos and yeah. can just kind of compartmentalize things uh, differently. And I, and I credit that to the gift of dyslexia. Hmm. And uh, I, I'm an advocate for people that have children with dyslexia of going, don't view it as a hindrance, view it as a gift and embrace it and let it shine through and, and look at the history of people that have had that as a, as a gift. I guess, wait, I, I, so first of all, I didn't realize you guys are brothers, right? right. Similar interests, similarly, I did not, I guess I should have guessed, right? You know, maybe both of you would, might would be <laughs> dyslexic, but, but Wayne, I mean, you know, uh, Doug describes it 
as a gift, it's something that's been, you know, a net yeah. positive in his life. Has that been the case for you? Definitely. Definitely. I, I mean, I think I attribute it to as a dyslexic, you're always in what's the alternate route mode. Like how do you, because if something is, is difficult, specifically spelling, like what, what are the all the other tricks to get around? I mean, you, you, you spend a lot of time in your youth specifically trying to find that alternate route. So maybe it's a conditioning uh, that comes out of it. I, I, I used to think kind of if, if there was a magic pill that could uh, get rid of dyslexia, would I? And, and the honest answer is no. I mean, it's. I feel like I'm more creative. I think I'm a better problem solver. Uh, can I attribute it to dyslexia? I think I can, but uh, but it, you know, uh, it's it's hard to it's it's hard to say. You hear that you hear that from every dyslexic. Though. Every dyslexic feels like you know there's a, they have a different route to problem solve. So I want to think about this. Is really interesting to me because I'm thinking you know given how long you guys have been in computing, right? When you're starting, you're dealing with, like, I mean, the first computer I ever had, this is, I'm just old enough for this, is like a DOS-based computer where, like, you did anything and it's all text-based, right? I mean, that would seem sort of intimidating. And I, and I hear what you're saying, like, where this is sort of spearheaded a kind of um, an ability to think differently about a problem that forced you to kind of think around a bit. I guess I want to think, what was this like the first time you're kind of like on a computer with MS-DOS or whatever you were working with, right? Where like, it's literally all text-based, right? Everything that you're going to do to make this work, it, it, that would seem challenging. And Doug and I started with a Commodore 64 in the 80s. So to kind of age us a little bit, and we would do they, they had the Commodore 64 book that had basic, like a basic language that would come with it. And we didn't have any games. So we would just put the, they had all the programs written out in it. So if you wanted to have Centipede on your computer, you had to program Centipede on your computer. Now they wrote it out for you, but you had to debug it. So Doug and I spent time typing, just copying the code out of the book, um, which truthfully neither, I don't think either of us had been diagnosed yet. So, huh. you know, you, you're, you're just doing what, what you can and then you debug it. And I have to assume there was a lot of debugging that happened. Huh. So, I mean, I guess, uh, is that what it is, is that you guys spend a lot of time debugging anyway, right? And so oh, you're... Exactly. I would just say, uh, I, I, I spend, when it comes to reading, I, I, I realize that it's going to take me twice as long to read something if I'm having to read from paper. Uh, when it comes to typing something out, it's going to take me a bit longer to type it out. Uh, it, I just, I just build that time into, into the, uh, equation, uh, mm -hmm. that, that, that is with it. And, uh, uh just like such a good at leveraging, leveraging. So for instance, uh, I live on audiobooks. There's a summary service called Blinkist that I live on. I mean, I, I, especially in technology, when you have to consume so much information, I mean, right now is just a great time. I mean, there's no, there's no disadvantage right now because there are so many different media forms of of information out there. So right now it's fantastic. Not even to mention that, like when I using Grammarly in email, and then I also have a playback. So once I write my email, I may um, I listen to it back because a lot of times when you're reading it, you miss a lot, but you hear it back and you're like, how did I miss that reading <laughs> reading it? So. There are all these little tools out there right now that are fantastic, including dictation. I, I usually dictate 
probably 60% of my emails and I go back and I edit it and I listen to it and then I send it. Oh, right, and then Grammarly does this. And there's, there's another one, Speechify. Right, Speechify is what I use. I did a UL course this past uh, summer and Speechify uh, did a, a, a text-to-speech, uh, which was uh, fantastic. I mean, so, so th 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 there's uh, just tools that have, have come out uh, on technology that have, have made things uh, possible. And, mm -hmm. and that's what I meant by uh, computers that have made it. I mean, it, it, if these tools weren't, weren't available, then uh, resumes <laughs> would look miserable out there for us or, or uh, emails would look miserable for us. And people probably wouldn't give us the time of day, you know, back in the, uh, in the nineties to, mm -hmm. uh, to, to, uh, to even open the door for us. So, I mean, we, we had to, uh, I forget the term that Wayne used, uh, that the workarounds, mm -hmm. the, those are all tools that we use to our benefit to, uh, to, to get around it. I mean, yeah, it's interesting, uh, you know, how you, you work with what you got, whatever that is. Right. And yeah. it's to some extent, like you, you, you figure it out and that can become a pathway to success, right? You, you figure out how to debug something, how to find workarounds and that in and of itself becomes, you know, your stock in trade, including you guys have been able to, to find success in that. And I uh, you know, commend the both of you. Thanks for being on the show today. Absolutely. Thank you for having yeah. us. Thanks for having us. Uh, my guests on Out to Lunch Acadiana have been uh, Wayne Lobb of CloudGen and Doug Menifee of Dyslexic CIO. We edited this conversation to fit into the time slot here on KRBS, and you can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Doug and Wayne and the fraternity of IT consultants by listening to the Out to Lunch Acadiana podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch Acadiana podcast on your podcast app and on our website, itsacadiana.com. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsacadiana.com and on our Out to Lunch Acadiana social media. These photos are taken by Aster Morgan, and you can find more of Aster's photos at astermorgan.com. Uh, this week, conditions compelled us to record Out to Lunch Acadiana by Zoom, but next week we hope to be back at our regular lunch spot, Tula Tacos on Jefferson Street in downtown Lafayette. Tula is open for lunch and dinner. It stays open late every day except Monday. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRBS 88.7 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Molly Richard. Our researcher is Leah Erdialis. I'm Christian Mader. I'm editor of The Current. Lafayette's nonprofit info community for local news, commentary, and more. Head over to thecurrentla.com and sign up for our newsletter. I'll see you here again next time for more business and conversation Out to Lunch Acadiana. Bye-bye. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by... Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com.